Hey there. This show is only possible because of your support at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. If you're not currently uh, supporting us there, consider going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and checking out the reward tiers, seeing what you can get in return. It is a great way, again, to help this show and other shows like it be possible. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King. My name is Cole Ross, and I'm your host, and today I am joined by Sean Wagner. Hey, Sean. Hello. Hey. Um, it's been a little bit since you've been on, but I'm super happy to have you back. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great to come back to this uh, interesting entry in the series. <laughs> <laughs> now, so we're continuing to talk about the wind through the keyhole. Specifically, we're hitting the first part of kind of the fable within the middle of the book, the, 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 the story that is within the story that is within the story. Had you read this book before? I, I had, but this is, this is the one I have the least experience with. I've gone through the series twice, but only this book once. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting to have you on for this, uh, just because the, you know, it is such a such a different glimpse of midworld of a different mm. time and kind of of a different uh you know <laughs> a, a different kind of mode of storytelling right yeah exactly it's it's funny coming to this especially coming to this at this point because uh, when i when i read it through the first time it was 8 i read them in the order they were released so i think reading this at this point where it sort of chronologically falls is interesting because you still get some of that later series feel to just some of the references and just some of the stuff going on in there. So it it falls at an interesting place if you're reading it, you know, where, where we've uh, slid it into the lineup. (laughs) For sure. We, we talked about it uh, last episode about how this is kind of a needed buffer between the first half of the series and the second half. Mm, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, there are any number of kind of references to, you know, the higher level, like cosmic concepts, like at the very end of the section, I think it's the first time we hear the name Gan. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, but yeah, why don't we, uh, why don't we go ahead and jump into it? Because I mean, I'm excited, really, I'm just excited to get more Randall flag content, honestly. Yep. <laughs> so, um, last time our cotet, you know, was trapped inside on a snow day, uh, or a snark, snark blast. See that that's not a good joke because you can see on the notes that I wrote that down. And I was like, oh, I want to get that. Out. <laughs> no, no, but the, but they're inside. Nothing better to do than listen to some stories. So Roland, uh, kind of started the tale of uh, what he did after they went to Magus, after they went to uh, to Hambry. Um, you know, this mission that he did. Uh, to Deberia to deal with a murderous shapeshifter. Um, and within that tale, Roland also tells another tale, uh, this time to the sole survivor of this skin man's attack. Um, and these next two episodes are going to concern themselves uh, with that tale. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which, which threw me off. It's funny coming back to this because um, um, actually coming on, for this i listening back through on audiobook and i forgot that the uh, it's it's there's there's so many um like inception going on here i actually forgot that the frame that exists around this story was in the book for for whatever (laughs) reason i was thinking roland was telling about the 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 stark blast and um you know it's my memory is just a little hazy on where it ultimately goes but i think 
it's it's kind of interesting that this that like if you're imagining Roland telling this this story during the Stark Blast and then going into this other story, <laughs> it, it's just like I'm. It sort of reminds me of like if you're listening like in my experience, someone who's a little older and they're like, you know, <laughs> so I was going to the grocery store and, oh, I happened to see Jennifer, you know, Jennifer, she, she used to work there at the mill. I remember at the mill, you know? <laughs> uh, so I told you that story so I could tell you this story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cause this seems like the more um, applicable one of, of the stories. For, for sure. Because <laughs> like the, 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 the idea, like, you know, like the, the inspiration you know, was the Stark Blast. It was the, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Billy Bubblers, right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy we got the werewolf story on the, you know, on the outside because it's a good yeah. mystery. Um, but yeah, I, it's, if, if there is one of them that can go, I think it is that one, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the, the reasoning maybe ultimately is like the part I wouldn't want to take out is I think, that ultimately um, Roland's re- relationship with his mom is very important in this book. Yes. But, uh, but um, this sort of contains as, as my memory sort of indicates that this is the more memorable part overall. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's been, uh, that's been kind of the, the, the reaction or the story that's come up from people who were kind of going through the series for the first time is like, Oh, I'm a little bit fatigued by the flashback kind of angle of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Oh, Tim, Tim's story. Come on, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's let's start talking about Tim and kind of the like the small cast of characters here. Uh so the story takes place next to the endless wood. Uh this big ironwood forest that is uh, you know, full of mystery and things like that, in this town of tree, kind of a logging town. Um, and our main character is, you know, another stock standard Stephen King young boy, uh, Tim Ross. Uh, who's got this really just kind of like lovely and pleasant dad, big Jim Ross, big Ross, they call him. And he's got, uh, he's got this mom named Nell. Um, his dad's a logger, you know, and he says that, you know, once I die, you're going to get my lucky coin. You're going to get my ax and you're, you're going to get my house. Right. And we only get a little bit of kind of time with this family together as a whole before, before big Ross bites it. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is kind of funny. This um, his his four things he'll give you because they said that was kind of a nighttime story, and I I have I have kids, and so I'm always trying to think of what to do at night, to, you know, for the bedtime routine. And I've never thought like reading out my will to my kid just to make sure that they know where everything stands. But, yeah, you know, just uh, it's a uh, it's it's a little bit of uh, oh, no, nothing nothing settles a kid like reminding them of your impending mortality. Yeah, exactly. And I figured if that didn't work, I could also tell my kid a fairy tale in which the father dies and then his mom gets abused for a while. Yeah, that's basically any Pixar movie, though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, basically. It's a little more on the outside than maybe it's it's framed in this story, but a little bit. Yeah, Um, (laughs) because stuff's stuff's pretty dark here. Um, So. Uh, Big Jim had a had a partner, you know, a logging partner. One to uh, they got a saying: one to saw, one to keep watch. Right. Um, Big Kells and Big Kells is a real uh, real piece of work. He's the one who kind of returns with the bad news um, of all the ways to go. Uh, Big Ross was cooked, evaporated, you know, destroyed by a dragon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> very fairy tale archetype so yeah um i love the way this pays off too 
because, man, you couldn't have come up with a more believable story. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, everybody buys it, though. I guess when yep. you live next to the endless woods, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, in a town called Tree. Yes. <laughs> which, which is a little on the nose, perhaps, for what they do. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so... Um, this creates problems, you know, because this is a town that is, you know, under the watch of Gilead. Uh, they have to pay taxes. And his mom, Nell, is really, really worried because when the Covenant Man comes around, um, they won't have anything to give him. And they're going to have to basically give up their house and be turned out onto the land. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm in a hard place. Yeah. I love the name Covenant Man. Yeah, I know. I, I love the character Covenant Man, but just that, just the 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 uh, the image that 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 conjures up, right? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> On his big horse, all dressed in black, with his white face and red lips. Yeah, his red lips. That is a. <laughs> yeah. That's a detail, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, I feel like Stephen King. Like, oh, I didn't know that this could be the creepy part about a person in this way. <laughs> Is it just lively in this one very specific way? <laughs> yeah. Um, but they have an out. Um, and you know they've been backed into a corner, but they they've got an escape rope because Big Kells, you know, he approaches hat in hand and asks for Nell's hand in marriage, saying, "Hey, um, I you know I've got a house that I can sell, and we can we we can make our go together, right?" Yeah. Yeah. It's just and immediately reads is a very bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Even before you get the details that like he used to be a real big drinker, Big Ross yeah. was able to keep him in check, but you know, he was real yeah. violent, kind of a kind of a brawler kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. It's just these like details, like he's he's hat in hand. She knows what's up because he's all dressed up. He's, and he's she, shaved she kn- and cleaned. Yeah, and then as soon as she's like unsure in response. I don't exactly know how it's written, but it just talks about how there's a change in his eyes. And you're just like, no, this, this guy, I've read enough Stephen King. I know, I know what this guy's going to be like. So. I, I, I know, I know which Wells is going to go to for this. Um, yep. The Kells Wells. The, Ke- <laughs> the, the Kell and Nell well. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he swore off drinking after his first wife died. Um and it's really sweet, like the like the very functional relationship that Tim and Nell have with each other, right? Like mm-hmm. she says, like you know, is this something? Is this something that you're okay with? And of course, Tim's like 11 years old; he has no yeah. <laughs> has no insight into 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 you know what 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 might be the case. But the fact that it is kind of a collaboration, you know, at least speaks to their closeness. Yeah, I liked that scene where she's she's sort of delivering the news and she pretty much knows the decisions up to her, but she's still looking for that input. She still wants to sort of feel 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 them out before she moves ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So they decide, you know, yeah, let's let let's do it. We don't seem to have have that many other options. So they do it. And, you know, a couple of ominous signs. You know, even yep. though he had sworn off of drink, he drank of the graph at the wedding reception. And then Tim starts hearing sounds at night, starts hearing, you know, hitting and crying and their mysterious <laughs> bruises. It's just a, it's, it's a real bad scene. 
Oh, it's it's extremely uncomfortable. Once again, this is a fairy tale that uh, Gabrielle Deschain would tell to Roland as a kid. <laughs> that 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 people across the kingdom would tell spe- yeah, specifically exactly. to illustrate <laughs> to illustrate that maybe you should pay attention when your when your raccoon dog starts going nuts. Very heavy. <laughs> um, Kells sells his house, and um, Tim goes to help him claim his only remaining possession. This this locked chest. That Kells doesn't let any, you know doesn't let anybody look inside, uh, but also he kind of treats it like a sacred pet. Like later on, when the Covenant man is talking about this, he asks, "Like, does he, you know, treat it like a beloved dog?" Exactly. Yeah. If he touches it when he walks by. Yeah. Why? Uh, why can't? <laughs> why can't you kids stay away from my forbidden closet of mystery? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, and along with this kind of abuse of, of, of Nell, Kells is also generally a bore and kind of squandering the potential that Tim might have. You know, Tim's this really bright kid um, who loves school, but Kells takes him and makes him work at the sawmill stacking lumber, which sounds like very, uh, sounds like very, let's say, stimulating work. Yeah, yeah, very uh, labor intensive for sure, but not exactly, uh, not much to do with the Mathematica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the widow smack? Ah, she. I mean, she, I think she's one of the more more interesting characters in this, and I, I, I mean, they're all they're all pretty interesting. But I mean, she she definitely stood out as I wasn't quite sure her place in all of it, but she's a pretty central figure actually. Yeah, with her. With her veil and knowing that underneath is some like, you know, chewed up face with a pox or whatever gross stuff um, King chose to employ for her. Yeah. But yeah, just very interesting. I guess she used to be used to be like um, maybe from Gilead or she was uh, like a higher status wise. But now she's just like this lady in this out of the way town. Yeah, she's like the uh, she's like the schoolmistress. Like the, yeah. the, the people pay or the, you know, the kids pay tuition or the families pay tuition by basically giving her vegetables and helping to feed and care for her mules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I end up liking the widow smacking up a lot just because she's just really on top of it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And she has, she has some of, she has some of my like favorite lines through, throughout, throughout like little sayings and just the way she, the way she speaks and. She has a lot of good like one-liners to Tim as all this madness is going on. Yeah, <laughs> she tries to be uh to you know to be a grounding figure, but is not able to uh not able to stop what has yeah. been set in motion, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I like that she kind of rolls with it. She, you know, instead of just her character, I I assumed going in that she would try to really stop him, and she does. But when she realizes that at certain times he can't be stopped, she decides to actually help him and. Put a little faith in Tim. Yeah, and arm him. <laughs> and, and arm an 11-year-old with uh, various weapons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I can't not talk about the, the Covenant Man, not only, right. because, not only because that's the next beat in the story, but also because, I mean, it's, it's Randall Flack, right? Yeah. There, there, <laughs> there is no doubt that this, is, that this is the figure. This seems like a Randall Flack that is closer to the one in Eyes of the Dragon. 
That's what I've heard. I haven't. I, I've I've listened to the episode about Eyes of the Dragon, but that's my only experience. But uh, that's that's from what I understand. That does seem to be true. Yeah, and and listening to this again, uh, this is the first time that I've read it after having read Eyes of the Dragon. Um, it's been really remarkable to notice the comparisons between those two, just because, I mean, like both of them are fairy tales of a sort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought that was an interesting sort of play on this, just like this, this figure showing up in some pretty central sort of fairy tales. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to to think about too, is, um, so Roland is telling the story and he heard it from Gabrielle and it's a sort of widely known tale do they know who they're talking about i don't know (laughs) like i don't i i gather that they don't because i think roland would have said something especially given that they had a pretty serious encounter with him yeah like well and also gabrielle like oh this is the person that i decided to decided to sleep with extra maritally gotta tell you a a bedtime story about my paramour okay mom Yeah, which it goes into sort of a, a larger thematic thing I find interesting is like there's a lot of dramatic irony working in this in this book at a lot of different levels, yeah. including Roland telling the story about someone his like arch nemesis and then not knowing it and then just all this stuff with really only the reader really getting the full picture. But yeah, yeah. The, the 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 parts that make it abundantly clear that this is that this is Randall Flagg or Walter O'Dim or whatever you know whatever, whatever other uh, uh, name you want to apply to him the things that make it abundantly clear are his manner of speech and also you know just kind of his knowledge of our world mm. and general kind of uh, just kind of insight into the other levels of the tower right yeah and the, and the, he also has one. A uh, pretty serious line that relates to the end of the story and his own storyline about how his curiosity or will will, will be the death of him. So yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty pretty good nod toward where things go, which is it got me wondering: is that foreshadowing technically? Because it was released, like I guess in this order, you could call it foreshadowing. But yeah, um, I think so. <laughs> I I, I, I think in 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 publishing order, it's a callback. Um, in, in reading order, it is, it is foreshadowing. Yeah. The old callback foreshadow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, timey-wimey. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the covenant man, you know, he's the tax collector for Gilead. Um, one of my favorite details about this is like, this isn't his job. It's his hobby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like this is a hobby. <laughs> the widow smack says, yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's not a person who has jobs. He has, he has hobbies. And just the idea that somebody would, you know, travel around doing this work is presumably gratis um, just for the ability to ruin people's lives and make them uncomfortable. Yeah, that's that's like an incredible like level of like mundane evil. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, um, but, I really like that. But it plays into like it, it plays into the idea of Randall Flagg, you know, or this archetype throughout King's works being primarily kind of like a a, a political saboteur mm-hmm. right yeah you know be it uh you know as as martin um helping out the good man you know kind of building up that uh bu- building up that or in um you know randall flag's case all of his buttons for his various causes and stuff like that yeah yeah i mean and and even here like 
this is very much also, you know, if you look at this as a fable, like it can also be like an explanation as to why the good man and, you know, John Farson got, got started, you know, even, even dropped here in the line, you know, perhaps they were already waiting for a good man to appear and make them strong enough to say no more enough's enough. The world has moved on, you know, by being this arm of Gilead, he is going around and like, starting a slow burn for this kind of populist revolt right yeah exactly and that was one of the things i i thought was really interesting was how at various points king definitely ties that in because i mean the taxes are really the big problem in this and even over the course like tim like being the the protagonist and you're really rooting for him he's very anti-gilead by the end of this Mm -hmm. because he sees it as all the problems so taking that and then imagining that yeah, that, that uh, flag is just kind of twisting it, and he's just sort of massaging this resentment. Is just it's a real it's a real long con. <laughs> it's 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 real commitment, right? But when yeah. you but when you enjoy the work, yeah, it, it flies by. <laughs> yeah, so he arrives on this massive uh, on this massive horse. He's wearing a saddle. It's described as a uh, it costs like more than Big Ross would make in twenty five years. Um. <laughs> I love this description of his voice too, because he, you know, has this low monotone. Um, the description is like listening to a deaf man, try to sing a lullaby. <laughs> um, and con- <laughs> coincidentally, Nell says that the cover man has never aged. He's been coming around since she was a child and he's always been the same, been fixed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And when when he pull when he uh, pulls Tim up on the horse, I just, you feel so uncomfortable. Like even knowing his like his flair of evil, uh-huh. like you're still just uh, you just like I like kind of like pulled away from my my desk a little bit where I was listening just because it's so uncomfortable to imagine just being up there next to him. Yeah, yeah. Imagine it'd be like a like roughly like five degrees colder when you're close <laughs> to him or something like that. Yeah. Well, even even Nell, like when you know when when the covenant man calls tim over she like reaches to grab him like instinctually wanted to keep yep. wanted to keep her kid away <clears throat> but yeah like just even his presence you know coming in and saying like yeah so you 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 sold your home i'm uh, gonna have to assess here for tax on that um and then kells kind of gives not the first sign that something's wrong but a pretty good one he starts blabbering he starts uh starts babbling about like oh you know like going over the details over this kind of her story about the way that big Ross died, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, until, until governor man's like, no, no, stop it. Shut up. I want Tim. Have you, have your child, yeah. have your child carry the silver to me because of his innocence. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how he has the, he has the, I, I like my stories to start with a uh, buy a go or whatever the <laughs> phrasing is. It's just like, I, I, I couldn't quite figure out if that was like a little bit of like a comment, like, I know you're full of shit, but I, I, I sort of took it that way as him just, he, he already has a good idea of what's actually going on here. And it yeah. was nice to see Kells just put in his place because he's this really imposing figure and the covenant <laughs> man just instantly wilts him. <laughs> instantly undone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but like you said, you know, the covenant man pulls Tim up onto the horse and has kind of a, a little bit of a palaver, a bit of one on, you know, one on one, um, and even gives him a little gift saying like, Hey, I want to, want to give you something. Here's this key. Guess what? It'll open any lock you find, but it'll only work once. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and pretty much directly puts it in Tim's mind that it is, you know, that like use this to open Kel's chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets really, really fairy. He's, he's the most fairy tale-ish character when, when he comes in is, you know, like big Tim was killed by a dragon, but as soon as this came in with the key, you're just mm-hmm. like, yes, the, the, you know, like this is the fairy tale thing where they get the, yeah. the magic item and it just <laughs> ramps up right there. Yeah. And for as much as it plays into that, into that kind of like stock notion of like, hey, this is how a fairy tale should go, it can't be underlined enough just how scheming the Covenant Man is. Mm-hmm. Everything he is doing is setting up, you know, is it, it, it is setting up a greater tragedy or trying to, you know, get people to walk into more misfortune, right? Yeah. Even, even the key, you know, like that directly leads into the terrible thing that happens to Tim's mom. Yeah. Yeah. So Tim returns, you know, Nels is in a rage, like, and instead of asking like, Hey, did he hurt you? Did he tell you something weird? Nels's first in- instinct is that, did, did, did he say something about me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. and kind of the, the, the altercation here ultimately leads to uh, Nels hit or yeah. Uh, Kel's hitting Nell, the, mm-hmm. uh, basically in broad daylight, right in front of her kid. Yeah, and uh, uh, does does he hit Tim as well? He goes he goes to hit Tim. Um, okay. Then uh, the, then Nell stops him, and he wheels around and and, and hits her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either way, it's this really real turning point where it's like, okay, it's sort of behind closed doors, but now it's just here's the family dynamic. I'm going to hit you guys. Yeah. 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 Again, again, and in, in broad daylight, basically right mm-hmm. on their front doorstep. It's mm-hmm. um very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's 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 bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Kel storms away and Tim says like, all right, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to open up his chest. I'm going to see what he's hiding. Um, and inside, you know, he's got his, <laughs> it's basically like a, like, like a story about, uh, about Kel's character. He's got his, uh, his extra ax heads, which are, which are rusty from neglect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it has his dad's tools. Uh, Kel's dad was a carpenter and, uh, he's got these, Valuable tools that could have been sold to pay off the debt many times over, but he held on to him like a miser. Yeah. Um, and then most tellingly at the very bottom is the lucky coin. Yep. Big, yep. Ro- Big Ross's lucky coin. Yep. And it's, it's not, not melted. It's not, there's no indication of any dragon attack on it. Nope. Yeah. But, uh, it's intact. Yeah. The, the 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 saying is that if a dragon gets you, it'll 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 get rid of anything, it'll burn everything away, buckles and all. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tim, <laughs> wanting answers to this mystery, uh, you know, decides to close the chest, but he can't relock it, and this is really really important. He closes as best he can, and then heads up the road to meet the Covenant Man at his camp uh, within the Ironwood. I love the description of these trees of the of of this wooded path like the setting in this is amazing because they talk about these ironwoods the ones that people were not able to cut away uh mm-hmm. growing up until they kind of basically pierce the sky yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so um covenant man offers him some stew and says hey that's not poison which is a great way to make somebody think you're about to poison them <laughs> yeah no, it's just uh i mean he, he's such a good character just every every time he talks there's just that like uh, just just stuff like that where you're just like you know what 
just no no trust he'll never let you gain any trust with him nope. <laughs> um and like this whole section gets really kind of like loaded with some detail and again you you get a sense of how of just of just how meticulous he is about about the way that he lets these things slip like he you know it's like oh you know the last of the dragons died off in garland that was you know garland a kingdom a long long way away in the eyes of the dragon that is where randall flag was originally from um you know and tim doesn't notice it right away but uh definitely comes up later after <laughs> after uh the object lesson that the collective noun for a group of dragons is a bonfire yep <laughs> a murder of crows a throcken of bumblers and a bonfire of dragons it's a good choice <laughs> <laughs> so um he goes on to reveal more of this information um by having tim do some chores for him you know uh he walks around he travels he's got this uh solid silver basin that he carries around on his back um, and he has Tim go and draw some of this kind of like stagnant and buggy water. Mm, uh, from... Those bugs are so gross. <laughs> They're little like telescopic eyes or whatever they have going on. They're like black and white, which feels very unnatural for a bug. For some yeah. reason. They're, Just very gross. They're like pale bloated maggots. Like he says, <laughs> hey, this, this water's stagnant. And then, you know, <laughs> basically your stagnant or is toxic or whatever. And then, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Randall Flagg's like, oh, the world's toxic, but we're, we're used to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, like, the Covenant Man has decided to take up camp next to a gigantic snake. Yep, a pookie. A pookie. <laughs> I love it. It's a pookie. His head's bigger than uh, than uh, uh, Tim's mom, or than Nell's uh, biggest frying pan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's just hanging out, like, dripping venom off of his fangs. Yeah. Um. So... Uh, Tim fills this up and um, the covenant man turns the, turns the basin of water into like a scrying surface into a pool uh, with a magic wand that is made out of a stick shift from a Dodge dart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like what what did you, what did you think of this little segment? Like just that little, that little detail of our world poking out. Uh, You know, as, as with all those ones, it just, you know, cause there hasn't been much of that, but obviously it, it it feels in line with sort of the second half of the series, especially, but, uh, you know, it's, it's very welcome to have that little bit of comedy during all this and <laughs> just dodge dart from America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love this. You know, like, uh, Tim has no idea what America is. It's like, what's America? Oh, it's a kingdom that is filled with toy loving idiots is, uh, is, is what he said, which is, which is funny because from Randall Flagg's time in America, he loved his toys. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And also, I I love the idea that uh, even though this is long ago, this is long ago in uh, Roland's time, like, you know, we have somebody walking around with a Dodge Dart, presumably from, you know, the 70s, 80s or beyond. Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I can't I can't remember when uh, when the Dodge Dart was in production. Uh, I'm I'm so much not a car person besides being like, that's a thing from a car. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it works it's, it's good yeah. enough for me and dodge you know so i i it's all good for me <laughs> yeah. so um what do you think of what they see in the scrying pool mm. so yeah that uh, pretty uh just this how he, he describes his um kel's 
uh, whacking his mom with just this big ass, uh, what is it? It's a, uh, it's like a ceramic a, jug or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Just uh, the idea of, you know, ceramic jug's not going to be light. And just him just holding the handle and just kicking her on the ground is just, is your, you know, you know, King is just very good at describing it to just make it as, is like revolting as possible. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> and just having Tim be from this place of just like, not being able to react and just having to watch it unfold is very, um, very violent against him. Yeah. Like it, it is, it is a specific, um, it, it, it is almost a specific violence against, against him. I say that not to minimize what's happening now because it's, because it's terrible, but like, mm. think, think about everything that's been, that's been set into place. The only reason that, that Kells is brought to a head like this is because the covenant man gave Tim the key to open this up but not the ability to lock it back and hide his tracks yeah. Kells returns home drunk you know sees what tim did you know um tim is too far away to really do anything about it and you know the the wrath is turned on is, is, is turned on Nell, and then the covenant man forces tim to watch like this is a diabolical plan yeah yeah the, the fact that like you just have this connection with scrying to generally be into the future. But the fact that he's specifically showing him that's something that's currently happening or even in the past slightly, just, just really is like turning, turning the knife, just, Oh yeah, this, this already happened. You can't do anything about this. And then not letting him leave. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, like, like keeping him around, like, you know, Tim screams so hard that the, uh, that the water's disturbed and it breaks the image and it cuts forward to, Fortunately, showing the widow smack, um, who was mm. first described as a woman with no face, um, mm. you know, appearing um, to basically come to Nell's rescue. Um, yeah. yeah, this is this sucks. Um, yeah. And before Tim can go, well, guess what? The, uh, the 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 violence goes even further. Covenant man says, "Hey, go go dump your water, but do it downstream a little bit away from the yeah. pookie. You're gonna get got." Um, and guess what's in there? Well, it's Big Ross's body. Mm, lidless I, hate, I hate i hated that detail every time it came up is he made sure you knew that he had no eyelids yeah uh, no eyelids <laughs> but other than that perfectly preserved in the cool water beneath yeah. it like maybe with some hair uh basically eaten away by the fish mm -hmm. or whatever so basically just someone looking very shocked i assume yes like just a very horrifying way to like and just back to back with with the scrying that rolls right into this yeah well, it, it could be worse because the the covenant man posed his body that way when he initially found him <laughs> he saw that basically was it like the, the back of his head was ribbon by an axe it's like yeah, oh i decided i decided to spare you the image of your dad's head split open by showing you his lidless eyes yeah very very benevolent of him yeah <laughs> a real big heart mr flat yeah, <laughs> yeah huge heart <laughs> um yeah so tim starts freaking out um, Covenant Man sedates him and, be, and tells the story. What happened? You know, there was no dragon. Uh, Kells, you know, was basically jealous of what Big Ross had or envious of what Big Ross had. You know, he had always had eyes for Nell. Um, and so when he got him in the woods, when the moment was right, he took the axe, put it in the back of his head, and then to kind of forge the story about the dragon, he burned his own arm, uh, you mm -hmm. know, to kind of create a burn wound to uh to you know to build it up um and the covenant man again big heart on him he has also found big ross's axe and sharpened yep. it up and shined it up all nice and good so yeah <laughs> yep and and when uh when he asked tim what he's gonna do with it he 
you know, bury it in, buried in Big Kelsey's like, eh, clever boy. <laughs> <laughs> As if this wasn't, you know, he's just, he's just. <laughs> He's visibly happy that it's going exactly as he wants. Yeah, he, I mean, he he is he's walking, he's walking Tim down this cattle blind, and the widow smack identifies it, you know, like spot on a little later on, basically saying like, oh, he goes from town to town. He probably saw one bright spot here mm-hmm. in this town. He saw you, and he couldn't he couldn't let that be. He wanted to put that light out for his own fun. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's he saw a fall in the place. It's it's interesting to me too. I it gets slightly more explanation later, possibly, but you know, for, like especially in contrast with the Covenant Man, uh, Kel or um, yeah, Kels didn't really have a plan as as so he's he's not thinking long term because when I was reading when I was reading it, I was thinking, oh, he must have planned this thing for a long time, and he must have done all this. But it's becoming increasingly clear that Kels just saw an opportunity and just acted which is you know it's just an interesting contrast with how like the covenant man coming in is just forming this very intricate plan Mm -hmm. and it's just against kel's basically impatience and just uh it just just acting because i think the whole reason even really happens where it does is because the whoever owns that section was out because of a tree falling or something yeah yeah like the, the, the that section wasn't being logged because uh the uh the people who own the stake or whatever one of them yeah. uh got hit by like like a rogue tree it fell the wrong way um yeah, I, I, I love that detail about like oh the people think the ironwoods have a mind of their own that's why they cry their pardon before the yeah. before the day because this happens so often it's just an yeah. ironwood will fall the wrong direction yeah, and it's yeah, it's just interesting because I was trying to I was trying to think, you know, the Covenant Man being so, so uh, like having all these plans and being so, like clever like that. I was trying to like, I couldn't read anything from it, but I was wondering if there was any chance that the Covenant Man somehow helped to push this situation into happening, or if he just stumbled across and like, sort of threw this plan together. Yeah, so the, the the way he describes it, or at least the story that he tells Tim, um, puts it where none of this we like like none of this would ever would ever have been noticed if Kells didn't say a dragon got him, right? Mm. Because you know the, the, the that story travels far and wide, and it reached him. It reached Randall Flag, and he heard like, "Oh, a dragon, huh? Well, that's that's wrong. There's murder afoot, and that's what turned his attention to the case." Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, he, he's he's so good at this stuff that you're almost like, did he somehow do something? But that that seems most likely. But you just feel his his fingerprints on everything. Yeah, so things basically enough enough stuff isn't a coincidence that you think coincidence can't exist in this. Exactly. That everything has to be has to be a part of his plan or has to be taken yeah. into account by him, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, you know, the story's out, the sedation wears off, Tim vomits in disgust and rage, and, you know, um, Covenant Man says, like, hey, I'll be around a little while longer, knowing that Tim has been set off basically as wound up as he could possibly be. Yep. Yeah. So, Tim returns home, you know, finds the Widow Smack there taking care of him, and this kind of brings in kind of like a longer section um and this uh, ultimately accounts for why this episode is probably going to be a little bit shorter is because by the page count um 
this is about as long as we usually cover, but like there's mostly just like putting things in place, right? You know, Tim mm-hmm. returns, returns home. The widow smack is there. Um, what we found out is that, uh, Kel's one of the blows that Kel's landed on her with the ceramic jug knocked Nell blind, right? Mm-hmm. It's possible that her sight will return when her brain stops swelling. Um, but nobody is really, nobody's really taking in, you know, nobody really is holding out a lot of hope, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of making arrangements for this. You know, the women are, um, coming around to watch after Nell and help prepare for things. And the men are rounding up a posse to go find Kells because he's disappeared. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also kind of thrown off here <laughs> as like weird little foreshadowing the widow smack thinks that, uh, you know, a start a start blast might be coming, even though one hasn't been here in years, right? Yep. Yeah, it's feeling warm or what are the signs of it? Yeah. Uh like a like warmer than usual weather in the fall, I think. Because this is yep. uh this is post reef, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, winter is coming. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, outside of that very sudden winter that very the very sudden and intense winter of a stark blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> the Widow Smack has Tim basically tell the entire story, um, asking for every single detail. And this is where we get a very good description of the Coven- Covenant Man and the Randall Flag character across the ages. He is pestilence given a pulse. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a very good line. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's my question for you. You've, you've read the books. Have you read the comics, Sean? Um, just a little bit, but not, not all the way. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't sure if, um, I, I did whatever reference here went over my head for the time. Yeah. There, there, there's a little bit, a little bit of confusion. Um, after we cover this book, we're going to start talking about, uh, kind of the second half and basically the things that lead up to the fall of Gilead, which gets into more of Randall Flagg's backstory. Some mm-hmm. of these details. So, you know, the widow smack and talking about the covenant man says, Oh, you know, there's a rumor that he's Merlin, you know, but that mm-hmm. can't be, you know, Merlin, you know, is rumored to have a, to have a house in the middle of the woods where time stands still. Tim is, you know, held wrapped by this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But like the comics go, go pretty far in the direction of implying that the covenant man, or the covenant, that Randall flag isn't so much Merlin himself, but is actually like the son of Merlin like is, okay. is, is somehow related to him okay yeah yeah it was it was a little bit confusing here and from my my very brief like wiki diving i started to see some of this and knew that i i obviously hadn't read the material so yeah, yeah. That, that sets it up what happens later on to just be a little bit strange <laughs> yeah like, just feel a little weird yeah so it's you know like the, 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 that is a conflict that we're going to run into that is mm-hmm. you know just the, the the contradiction between the two teams, uh, you know, the comics. I think by the time they reached that point, I think that the the comics reached that point before this book came out. Um, okay. and I I think that King, you know, he was aware of those, like he had creative input into them, but he didn't have, uh, you know, he, he decided to kind of walk his own way with it. So, okay, yeah. I, we're just gonna have to be com- comfortable with those contradictions. I think that, yeah. I I think that the story we ultimately get about. Randall flag uh is more satisfying than oh he's a wizard's son <laughs> yeah yeah i i mean 
because not having that background when she's implying that he might be Marilyn, I just, I don't want him to be a character like that. You know, no. I don't want him to be that, that like mythical in his, uh, in his background. I kind of prefer him like just kind of coming out of the shadows and causing chaos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, fully living into the, uh, no, no uh, kind of, uh, kind of guys, yeah. right? Exactly. The background of him potentially looking at one of the, you know, of him having the, the wizard's glass and it driving him mad is just feels unsatisfying versus him just kind of always existing as this real bastard of a person. Yeah. 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 Uh, the characterization of Merlin also is vastly different in this book mm -hmm. compared to compared to what we get from the comics as well. So okay. just uh, it's a thing that doesn't line up. And mm -hmm. I, you know, when, when that happens, it doesn't have a lot of bearing on anything. So I implore the reader or the listener uh, to pick whatever they think is coolest. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The greater cosmology as it gets out into like Merlin and then like, uh, uh, you know, Crimson King and queen stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's, I, I do get a little lost as I start, like I haven't, you know, just, as I said, it's mostly wiki things that I start mm -hmm. to see these, uh, things caught out. Yeah. But at a certain point, I really love obviously the world of the dark time, but when it gets to those sort of details, I do kind of look the other way a little bit just because yeah. I don't quite want that, that much explained. Yeah. Um, it's probably not unwise to unfocus your eyes at some yeah. of that. Um, yeah. that's not good criticism, but you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're here to respond, I think more than anything mm -hmm. and put themes together and appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> just want to put a flag in that for everybody who might be reading ahead and, might be confused it is confused <laughs> so there's you know this long discussion about kind of the nature of the covenant man but the entire the the you know the the the, the entire thing basically comes down to he's bad news stay away um yep. at one point back in the camp uh you know the, the covenant man had mentioned the psi uh these these kind of fairy folk it's a small mm -hmm. detail right now it's a detail that tim leaves out uh, they're going to become important later on in this book, but I want to uh, highlight that right here. He doesn't share that he was told this by the Covenant Man because I think Tim already knows that he's going to go. He's going to go following, following that vision. He doesn't want to sort of let her on to it at this point. No, no, he is. He, uh, Tim is dead set on doing something about this because everybody is very kind of content to take a very safe you know, point mm -hmm. of view, like the widow smack is kind of repeating as a mantra, you know, there, there'll be water of God wills it, you know, yeah. um, well, 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 my mom get her sight back. There'll be water of God wills it. Will, <laughs> will, will Kells come back and finish the job? There'll be water of God wills it. And there's this amazing, it's almost a, you know, it's, it's kind of a very quiet fuck. Yeah. Moment. But yeah, you know, upon hearing this, Tim decides, no, that's bullshit. And he, <laughs> he doesn't say it to her, but he recalls something that is, you know, that his dad said that big Ross said. Um, and I want like a, like a picture book of big Ross's adventures, but you yeah. know, uh, big Ross is saying is, you know, pray for rain all you like, but dig a well as you do it. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like <laughs> prayer doesn't have to stand in for action, go out and, you know, take matters into your hands. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good line. Bad ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, after Big Ross is buried, you know, um, I love the sense of community around the small town. Tree seems like a very mm -hmm. pleasant place. Um, oh yeah. Cal's aside. Yeah, I think I think that whole scene where 
you know, he, he's going to see his father to represent his family is, is really, you know, it does, it does develop a lot of nice stuff with just everybody being so accommodating and sort of, you know, recognizing him as a kid, but also um, considering the situation, also giving him sort of the place as a, as a man as well, you yeah. know, sort of referring to him very formally and just sort of like letting him grow into this uh, responsibility that's sort of been thrust upon him while still letting him be a kid saying goodbye to his dad. I, th- I thought that scene was, was pretty touching overall, just, just how it plays out. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the loggers, you know, t- Tim calls him like sigh, you know, he, he basically gives him the honorific and he says, no, no, you're, 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 you're old enough now. You, you know, basically you're, you're the man of your house. So just call me by, you know, just, just call me by my first name. It's, it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I love the idea of like this being unusual. I love the yep. idea that Kells that that Kells in this violence is not kind of acknowledged as just kind of like, well, that's just the way it goes on. You know, that's just the way it goes. The world has moved on. Um, yep. But everybody kind of just gathers in support of kind of the victims of this, of this bad actor and tries to yep. set things right. It's such a contrast to even where we see, to even what we see of Midworld and Roland's time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And his, his father is, his father is buried in an ironwood coffin and it, you know, he says that it'll be there for a thousand years. And I, when it said that, I was just knowing how valuable ironwood is. I imagine that this wasn't something obviously that his, his, his mother could afford I assumed that the, you know, that the axemen got together and the town just said, no, we, we, we respected your father and we mm-hmm. want to like do this for you. It's, yeah. it's not called out, but it sort of keeps that what you're saying about like, the world hasn't really moved on here. They're they're they still have this sense of order and balance that Kells is really upsetting with what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a, it's a it's a small thing, but given how mm-hmm. much, given how much everything else sucks, it's, <laughs> it, it is nice to have that heartwarming, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So after the burial, um, Tim sees something sticking out of the grass, and the Covenant man is, hasn't hasn't finished working his magic here. He has actually left the magic wand. He's left the stick shift of the of the dodge dart, um, <laughs> where where he knew Tim would find it. And Tim even thinks he sees the uh, sees the basin, you know, this thing yeah. that is literally more valuable than half the forest <laughs> that they log. <laughs> uh, but no, no, um, it's just a bucket. But you know, Tim has picked up from from the Covenant man that any any object can be magical. And so he recreates the scrying. Yep. <laughs> you know, he, he he picks up the bucket, puts some water in it, and does does the one incantation he knows, abacadabra. <laughs> and <laughs> abacadabra. And he gets the he, he gets the vision of what's uh, uh, uh of what's kind of waiting for him if he mm-hmm. decides to set out if he decides to go and go and seek out the covenant man you know on 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 his own. Um. And yeah, let's let's talk about what he sees in here because it's a little bit of a preview of the rest of the book, but yep. it's very specific snippets that are not really alluding to again this kind of cattle blind that he has <laughs> that the government man is going <laughs> to send him down. Mm-hmm. Um so what do you think about what he sees in here? Uh it's it you know you're seeing it and you he he's digging it because it's it's showing him kind of the answer to all of his problems and this you know this this nice <laughs> journey but you're you're just kind of screaming no <laughs> like, like this is not going to be this convenient you know because uh it's just uh this he finds merlin and his big house and merlin provides him with this 
just perfect. He seems to have the cure for exactly what's going on wrong with his mom. <laughs> it's it's like a little, it's like a silent movie or like a silent, a silent pantomime of everything working out right. Like it shows the signs of where he should go, like go beyond the Ironwood Trail, head toward Faginard, find the, uh, find the sign that says uh, Traveler Beware. And then like the Covenant Man like makes like little running motions with his hands yeah. Um, and then he gets something from Merlin and then like <laughs> Tim sees himself like hugging his mom who is crying with joy that she is all, you know, that, that she is all put together. Like this, like this is not to be trusted. No, <laughs> no. It, it, and it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's his plan, but this is the part where I was just like, you know, thinking about the coming man and just like, you're such a dick. Just like you first, you show him his mom getting hit and his dad's body. And then. You just hit him with this just because he's gotten him so wound up that he's so desperate. It's just he's an 11 year old kid. Yeah. <laughs> just like and this is his hobby, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> torturing people. Um, I think I yeah. think early early on uh, when, when they're at the camp, Tim kind of observes like, oh, he's teasing me or he's torturing me. I'm not sure which, but he definitely doesn't know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this section ends. Um it ends with, you know, Tim basically being found out by the widow smack. You know, mm -hmm. she's back at the house taking care of Nell. Um, and this is another sweet moment where she knows that she can't stop Tim. You know, he's got his he's got his mind set to it. And so if he's going to go out into the woods, you know, an axe isn't going to be enough. His dad's axe. So she decides to give him um her brother's gun. It's a four shooter. Yeah, um, that she's had for 20 years now. Something like that, yeah. And, you know, guns are not common. Like, I think there's a there's a detail Tim, you know, upon looking at it, is astonished because he's only ever seen a drawing of a rifle. Like, yeah. like somebody in town has, like, a piece of art that, like, depicts a rifle. Mm -hmm. So, the Widow Smack, you know, shows it to him, shows him how to load it. I think he has, like, somewhere like five or six bullets, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and she's yeah, just the, that you know, for her, it's it just says a lot about how much she cares for Tim because she's she's not only not she's treating him with the dignity to let him go do what he has to do, mm -hmm. and then giving him what I assume is kind of the memory of her brother right. who who died shortly after getting this, and she oils it every year. So and she's not doing that to actually use it; she's just doing that to keep it in good condition to honor his memory. So. To give this to Tim is a was was a really like like you said like a lot of this is so dark that when there's any sort of like self sacrifice or sense of community you sort of cling to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Tim, before he leaves, you know, he asks for a blessing, right? Because he, he basically knows like he's taking everything into his own hands mm. to do this. You know, if he succeeds, you know, his mom is cured. If he dies, well, he's all that his mom has left. You know. Yeah even including her sight. Right. And she refuses to do it. She's like, you know, I can, I can give you my gun, but I can't give you my blessing. But as he walks away, you know, she, you know, basically says like, can bless him anyway. You know? mm -hmm. Yep. And, and that is our, that is where we end with kind of, kind of an invocation of the name of the force that, you know, is behind the light. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I forget if the force of good has been described as the, as the white as of yet. Um, I can't, I can't recall, but uh, very sparingly, if so. Yeah. Um, and that 
spins out again later. Like we said at the beginning, mm-hmm. that is a bit of a preview of the greater cosmology that's going to uh, work its way into the final three books of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Tim goes off the, you know, like as the, as the stars come out, setting out uh, in the middle of the night into the deepest woods, this thing that is literally called the endless woods to find yeah. a wizard's house. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's 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 interesting because just you know your my memory of this being being like a like this this whole section is really just like a huge setup for what's to follow <laughs> as far yes. as like um as far as what I would consider like a fairy tale this is like even though the Covenant Man is is definitely sort of a fairy tale character and when there's been some magic with the scrying like everything from here on out is much more I would consider it like a fairy tale so it really feels like a setup for this yeah yeah and it's been it's been a while so i haven't read ahead um i know obviously i've read this book before what do you mean stop accusing me of not reading this of course i no. <laughs> um no um no I, I i forget i don't think the covenant man shows up anymore after this i think that he has set things in motion and put them forward so it's been very good to kind of camp out on the way his fingerprints are on all of the misfortune here he he doesn't show up he's alluded to mm-hmm. perhaps but yeah he just it's a whole the the whole tone of this is very different from then on out it's it's still dark but it's much more of an adventure than than this which this whole i guess this is sort of thoughts about this section but this it's just so dark <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just like just with with the fact that it's just dealing with like abuse and loss and that's like that's it's really spends a good amount of time going over all those things and just this um this sense of like she could have chosen his his mom could have chosen not to marry Kells but she didn't have much of a choice right. it wasn't they were going to have to go out on the land and then he didn't have to do any of the stuff with the covenant man so there's just this in this section i was struck by this this feeling of like inevitability just like being pulled toward this yeah. Which gets into the greater themes of like wind through the keyhole, which he'll get into later, which sort of relates to this same idea of just being yeah. pulled toward something. Yeah. Um, I didn't notice it until you brought it up, but like Nell's whole situation is very similar to what Susan was was uh, put through. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, a beloved family member died. You know, somebody who genuinely had a good heart, and that caused you know, a certain number of things to click into place and, you know, basically put her into a very vulnerable position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I like this section awful. Lot. I like this book an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Um, something that came out just kind of in the, in the discussion is like the comparison, right. Between Kells's cruelty and the covenant man's cruelty, right. Just mm-hmm. the, the, the evil that one man does to another, you know, as, you know, kind of short-sighted and, you know, kind of opportunistic, but the way that can be grabbed and harnessed and directed to do even more harm, you know, by somebody who is thinking in a longer way, just like the, the, (laughs) what this reveals about not just Randall Flagg, but basically anybody who is working on that side, um, you know, casts a light on kind of the, the forces of destruction that we're dealing with, you know, from Farson on to basically anybody who is trying to unravel the order. Yeah, exactly. I, I love all the, I've mentioned it before, but I, there is, there are quite a few references and I love when they sort of build into this, you know, 
we get most of it from Roland who just loves Gilead. And it's just interesting to see between this and um, the events of um, the previous book, just, just like sort of not tarnishing Gilead, but sort of presenting some of the realities yeah. and why this stuff was set up and just how people like Farson and flag could just take advantage of these very real sort of, you know, these very real emotions and issues and just twist them and just ramp it all up. Yeah. And it, it felt just a hair too real <laughs> in, in, in 2018. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kind of, uh, populism and resentment yeah. and stuff like that. It's, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it, know, it, it's easy yeah. to kind of look at it and say like, oh yeah, it's depicted as purely evil when it's somebody like Farson. And when we see what's going on by the time the big coffin hunters are out there, you know, basically committing mass crimes and defrauding entire towns, et cetera, et cetera. But like when it is actual people, you know, living their lives and having, you know, having to make these very difficult choices because of the order that's enforced on them. Like you can kind of see um, that it isn't as kind of unambiguous as it ends up being. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically flag is the deep state. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Anyways. so thanks sean thank you for uh for 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 come for coming on um uh yeah where can people find you um you can um most most easily find me on on twitter at the lore hunter where uh do a lot of talking as you do on twitter and uh Mm -hmm. from there you can check out i guess it's kind of timely with i mean for now with a lot of bloodborne stuff going on sort of my my steez, but the the lorehunter.com is sort of where I collect uh bloodborne lore content presented by the community, such as everything that Bombfireside Chat did mm-hmm. and you know everything Vadi did. Um, you know, all the all the lore content that people came up with for Bloodborne I tried to put into one place. So yeah. sort of my my monument to the game. So it's been um it's it's been a little bit of like a like a delayed release kind of a kind of treasure treat like all the uh kind of like data mining stuff that's coming out about the game yes yeah so it's yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a good time to jump back in if you've been out of it for a while oh yeah like i mean i mean as people are listening to this it only applies during this month but like a bunch mm-hmm. of people are playing it now because uh because it's free on ps plus right yep yeah, yeah it's the timing the timing is really real good for all this stuff nice yeah cool well, yeah. th- thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you can yeah, find oh, you can find me on Twitter at Cole Ross or the other shows here on uh, DuckFeed.tv. Um, and yeah, I think that that's that, that's about all we need to do by way of admin. We can keep this one short and sweet. Uh, until next time, long days and pleasant nights. Long days and pleasant nights.